Hi, J-Nights. If you're listening, please follow and subscribe. It really helps to grow the podcast and for me to bring you more episodes. Welcome to the first episode of the What the Austin podcast. I'm joined by Alice from the Historian L blog. So hi, Alice. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. So um, I thought we could just start by just talking about kind of what got you into Austin. And then obviously we've both got kind of bookstagram history style blogs. So um, it'd be good to just chat about that as well. Yeah, that's very cool. So um, basically, I can't remember how old I was when I first read. It was Pride and Prejudice, obviously, sort of, you know, the go-to. I think I was probably like maybe year eight, year nine. I can't remember how old you are when you were that age. It seems like such a long time ago. But I just remember like going to the library and my mum had been like, you know, it'd be so good to read this book and I got it out and then for the summer holidays of whichever year it was like I'd sit every night and just like read a chapter before bed like in the in the lounge and for me that just became like a really lovely routine but also something like by the end of the book I was just completely hooked and taken with it and it was just since then I've been absolutely obsessed really I also blame Austin on sort of making me fall in love with studying history as well. So I've just done four years at uni studying my history degrees and my master's. And I think it was through reading her and learning about how people lived before and sort of her eyes and her judgment on the people around her just really gave me an interest for like, you know, social history and women's history in particular and the experiences of women during this time and other periods as well. Right, absolutely. Because like her heroines are just so, they're so of the time, aren't they? Like you can absolutely feel... Yeah. what it was like to be a woman at the time when yeah. you read a different character because she's got so many varied ones it's like you can see different perspectives without even being there so I can 100% get why that yeah. would get you into history so. yeah they're just so, you know transported as soon as you're in the book it's like you're there living what they were living I think that's what I loved about history and why that got me into that because just being immersed in a completely different period and being able to see how people lived before us I think it's like super interesting and super exciting so that's uh, no I love that yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah I mean I was the same like Pride and Prejudice although I did watch my mum watches the uh, the 1995 version while she irons and when I was little I used to watch it with her and that was it yeah I just so yeah I can thank my mum she's got good taste and that's what got me into it and then uh, my parents got me like my first copy of the book and then I was just a Jay Knight forever that was it (laughs) this is my life now (laughs) did the same like as soon as I read the book I was straight onto the 1995 one I think that one is my all-time favorite and I also remember I was thinking sort of yesterday when I was thinking about this podcast is sort of my journey with Jane Austen I remember an English teacher saying to my brother because he was sort of talking to him about how his sister was obsessed with Jane Austen and he said to him he was like oh don't worry about that like she'll soon grow out of it and stuff and I was like no no way like that's not happened and I don't think I don't think you do and I think um it's such a part of like my life and so many other people so it's great to be able to 
Tom and chat with me about it with you. So. No, absolutely. It's so funny when people think they're like, oh, they'll grow out with that. You see, I, I don't mind being known as like a girl who's obsessed with Jane Austen. I think we can quite happily take that. <laughs> absolutely. I think 100%. Jane eyes for life. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> That's why we're here. So, um, so today we're going to be discussing persuasion and specifically kind of the relationship between Anne and Wentworth, um, how it differs from the other novels or the fact that um, they've already courted, they've already been in love prior to the start of the novel, which is obviously so different to kind of like Pride and Prejudice with Elizabeth and Darcy, where, I mean, that is just a whirlwind of you know, <laughs> them getting to know each other. But we don't really have that with this novel. But it's, we were both saying like, where really, it's just a beautifully written novel. Um so I, I definitely we want to want to get right right on into it, don't we? So um, do you know, where where do you fancy starting with it? Um, should we go with we sort of started off talking about we can go with like the character of Anne. We'll start with her because she's obviously the heroine of the story, and you know she's we you know she's slightly different to I think Austin's previous heroines and the fact that she's a bit more mature. She's sort of. Um, got a bit of life experience and she's had a lot of suffering as well and you know this novel starts with the fact that this is eight years on from a separation from the man that she loved and who she courted and it sort of sets a tone at the beginning of sort of sadness and um just sort of how she where, where she's at basically and it's a lot right it's not at the start of her youth she's not at the start of sort of um you know finding men to court no and she's had eight years to reflect on this relationship that she used to have that you know she thought was going to work out it didn't and I mean eight years is a hell of a long time to to still be thinking about somebody like it must have like obviously we were saying like you don't see the relationship prior but knowing as soon as that novel starts that she as soon as she hears her, his name and it's like oh my gosh it's like she's like right back there you can just tell that that was a strong connection yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And it sort of it makes you think about how you would feel in that situation as well. I think, you know, what this book does, it enables you to really put yourself in Anne's shoes and sort of think about how you would feel in that situation. And, you know, nursing a heartbreak and sort of navigating your way through life after those eight years must have been really painful, really hard for her. And, you know, she reminds me of the the character of Charlotte Lucas in Pride and Prejudice because, you know, she's at that age where she's sort of starting to realise that her options are running out. And you, you may, we sort of get the impression that she's sort of decided not to, you know, get engaged with anyone else or sort of pursue anyone else. And that's sort of like a little bit of romantic loveliness that you can sort of hear. Um, yeah, it's like I was saying earlier, she's like Charlotte Lucas if Charlotte Lucas never gave up on love. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> married Collins. Yeah, she's hoping that he would, in a way come back like but uh, or you know she'd be able to find that again and she sort of resigned herself to the fact that she may never find that again but she looks she's always holding out for him and that love that she had right and she turns down the practical options like she turns down Charles when he proposes later on so Charles obviously ends up marrying her sister um but you know that other options have been available to her but she said no and I think that is because she's she's holding out for something that she once had and she knows is there. Like she believes in true love is probably there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of reflective of Austin herself, you know, when she, you know, we hear about Austin's love life and how um, she was 
offered by, you know, a really wealthy gentleman who then she turned down because it just wasn't right for her and she sort of held on. And I think we sort of get that respect for Anne because through Jane Austen, we sort of see a little bit of her life through Anne because she's resigned herself to, you know, at that age, in that era, if you weren't married, like it would be quite a worrying thing, especially knowing that Anne's family is sort of on the brink of financial ruin at the moment and thinking, you know, what is she going to do if she doesn't get married? And she's probably going to be a bit of a burden to her father. And it's quite yeah, it- a good thing for Jane Austen to be writing about in that time and sort of not celebrating, but sort of being confident with it when a lot of women would have been like, gosh, you know, that's really not what. Yeah. Like worst case scenario. Yeah. I think what's worse as well is um, obviously she, um, they called off the engagement from like what um, Mrs. Russell, is that, is that what her name is? Yeah. Uh, yeah had, um, she'd said about it all. And obviously a father would have disapproved. A family would have disapproved. It's, she let go of all of that for her family and her family is so awful to her. Yeah, like they don't even sort of reward her for sort of being, um, you know, doing it for the family. And, you know, yeah, because that's what she does. She does it for them. She's not doing it for her own sake, is she? And then they're just so awful to her after. And it feels like they didn't even try and help her, try and find someone who was richer or more suitable in their eyes. And it's like they even forget about it. Because obviously when Wentworth comes into the picture, nobody has got any recollection of the fact that they were they knew each other, let alone were engaged. I mean, I don't know how she bears it. I would have been like, when people are coming to me saying like, oh, Captain Wentworth, this and that, I would have been like, hello, I know. I was engaged yeah. to it. Like, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> totally agree. It is, yeah, and it just sort of sums up their characters really, doesn't it, as a family and we sort of get an insight again as to what she's had to suffer with for the past eight years. So starting novel, you've got all of this sort of context. And um, as and you feel for her straight away because you're like, oh, my gosh, like you want to you want it to work out for her. Mm-hmm. And so you, from yeah. the start, you're absolutely rooting for her. But yeah. in that sense, you also feel everything that she feels as well. All the ups and downs throughout the novel. We move on to Wentworth now. I mean, we're slightly different in how we get introduced to him and also how he, he sort of acts throughout the whole book. You know, I think he sort of goes on a bit of a character character growth, I would say, because, you know, we were saying earlier how we we were pretty, like, annoyed with him at the beginning of the book for acting. How he was oh, my goodness. Him. Oh, he gets me so riled up. It, <laughs> oh, to be honest, he gets me riled up until they meet in Bath. Like I only honestly think that he's he's living in some sort of weird delusion for half the book, where yeah. he thinks he's not doing anything wrong, but he's absolutely being a numpty. Like, um, well, like I was saying to you earlier about um, when like his family or Anne's family like say like, oh, do you remember Anne? Blah blah blah, and he's like, oh, he's just like totally just like indifferent to her. He's like, oh, I'd like hardly recognize her. Like she's so changed and she's just like so distant. And poor Anne's there. Like she gets so nervous at the thought of seeing him. And and then he just says all this. I mean, it is actually just a slap in the face. And he's, um, there's so many times when he's so, oh, he's like the little digs at her all the time. Like when they, um, they're having that meal together and he's like, oh, what's so important to me is strength of character looks yeah. right. Like, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if he looks at Anne, but I always imagine him just like giving her a side eye, like, you know, you're yeah. not that. 
definitely I think it's really funny as well because he's almost going out of his way to like you say sort of ignore her and say these little like lines obviously directed at her and I'm surprised that well they sort of do slightly pick up I think Mary sort of picks up on it a little bit but the fact that he's making it so obvious that he's not being friendly with her and he's been so friendly with everyone else in the company like all the other families like the Musgroves and everyone that it sort of begins to become a bit of a thing where if he's not talking to Anne it's sort of obvious that he doesn't like her because everyone's saying how lovely he is and how what gentleman he is and how nice he is to us and so by sort of trying to ignore her and pretend she's not there he's actually drawing more attention to the fact it's just unfortunate that like her family and Mary in particular they kind of relish in the thought that Anne's kind of this person on the sidelines that is like, oh, because like we were saying before about Charles and Mary, when they um, go to Anne and they're kind of talking about, oh, we asked Wentworth, you know, if he remembered you. And then he's just like, she's, he's like, I think Charles says um, something along the lines of, oh yeah, he says that he remembered you. And then Mary's like, what do you want about Charles? He literally had nothing to say about, he said that, you know, you wouldn't even recognize her now in, um, I think it's so funny because Mary's so oblivious to what she's doing. She lives in so much of her own bubble that she's so oblivious. So even though he is being so obvious about it, also her whole family are the same. He's so obvious. Like nobody can dislike somebody for no particular reason, be so indifferent to somebody for no reason. Yeah. That her fam- but look, because her family literally treats her the same way with no- not a second thought. They sort of do that anyway. For them, it's not unusual for someone else to sort of treat her like that sort of if we were outside looking on it we'd be like hang on why is he being so nice to everyone apart from Anne like there must be some sort of issue going on here right well or at least they must have a like a bigger history than we're thinking because there's must got to be more between them no that's absolutely the case and there I think there are I don't know do you want to talk about like some of the specific incidents we really noticed that he is into it like we were saying about when Mr Elliot looks at Anne that's one of my favorite scenes of the whole novel honestly gives me goosebumps when um they're walking up the stairs they're by the sea aren't they and they're walking up them steps um at at Lyme and they um and Mr Elliot looks at Anne in the the description of that's like amazing but it's the fact that Wentworth catches him looking at her you can imagine him just like because she sort of describes it in this way, but like literally whipping his head round and like looking at her as if to be like, you know, what was all that about? And it's like one of the first signs that he's not like completely not invested in her anymore because he obviously clearly is still. And it's just such a, oh my gosh, so much tension going on right now. And it's just, Right, there's like, there's that. a couple of moments like that. They just, they do give you goosebumps. Like I think there's a time when um, she sat with one of Mary's children and the child's fussing a lot and he comes over and just picks picks the child up and takes her away. It's like yeah. there are moments in between him being totally indifferent where he cares. Yeah, there was, I think I wrote a quote down yet, yeah, the bit where they're in Lyme again. And obviously after the, the fall, <laughs> the iconic <laughs> jump. Um, so, you know, they're all stressing out about who's going to stay and who's going to go and who's going to look after Louisa. And, you know, and he's he says to Annie, he says, you know, you will stay, I am sure, you will stay a nurse, cried he, which obviously is filled, you know, that's filled with passion. And he turns to her, speaks to her with a glow and yet a gentleness which seemed almost restoring the past. And, you know, she coloured deeply and he recollected himself and moved away. And I think that is only a few lines, but she's got such 
a lot of meaning in it and him beginning to sort of maybe show more than he wanted to which is really interesting and it's also recognizing the past and you know the understanding that he knows what she's like he knows that he you know that she's really capable that she's caring that she'd be able to really nurse Louisa and it's like you know it's a compliment to her it's a big compliment to say that he's turned around and now recognized her abilities instead of just ignoring her again no absolutely and I think there's like a line non was would be as capable as her like it's yeah. it is absolutely a compliment Th- those little lines where it's like the reference of the past but through feelings as opposed to flashbacks yeah. and it's I feel like that's so much more powerful because we we can feel what they used to feel and why that's such a loss now. Because um, I think there's times even when she refers to it, like, um, oh, I saw the friendship there. And then sometimes it's like, I saw my Frederick or whatever, or her Frederick. And um, it's those little things that just keep you like on the edge of your seat. You're just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, that there's serious deep connection there. You know, they've got such a strong past like all this busyness that's going on they're having this really intimate moment of realization that you know they still have some sort of connection there and you know you can just sort of imagine everything going on and them two just like looking at each other and sharing this sort of strange like intimate moment of the past and then after that it's you know it's funny because then turns out Anne doesn't stay to look after Louisa she has to go back in the carriage squashed with Wentworth in the middle you know he's in between um you know Henrietta and Anne and he just completely then ignores her the whole time and gives all his attention to Henrietta it says which is just right it's not hilarious in one sense because it's like this situation is just ridiculous but also it's really sad and she's just on a roller coaster of emotions probably thinking you know they just shared that moment and then now he's completely like it's almost like he's annoyed with himself for letting his guard down and so he just completely ignores her now and goes back on that which is really hard for her oh my gosh so yeah that's absolutely true like you can't even imagine I mean I don't see myself in Anne as a character like I understand a situation and I can feel what she feels but I don't see myself in her but um and, and for that fact as I know like that would be infuriating to me like I would not be able to bear all the ups and downs somebody showing you that they still have feelings for you and there's a connection there and then next thing it's like done a whole 360 and he's ignoring me again and is being like indifferent and wants nothing to do with me and I'm stuck in a carriage with him I'd be like oh my gosh like what are you doing I think I'd lose my mind I'd be just <laughs> I'd be like what's going on here can we can we just like put our cards on the table because this is <laughs> this is a weird situation <laughs> on the shoulder it must yeah. be horrible like can you imagine again being in that situation because and that's what she does like Austin's sort of making us like creating these scenes and these situations where you just sit there and think for a minute and be like oh my gosh like that must be you know she must be like this or imagine if I was in that situation like I don't know how I think or feel or how does she manage to keep like a straight it face it must be so emotional as well like I feel like I'd always be crying <laughs> just yeah, gonna- I I'd just be so drained yes I think that's it it'd be completely draining and especially after yeah these eight years I think for me like I'm such a emotional person as well and a bit of a deep thinker it would really like take its toll I think on on me as a person and just sort of I think it'd be really upsetting at times right and then on top of that bearing in mind he's 
although he doesn't admit to this, he mm. is on some way courting mm. um, her cousin. Is it your niece? I think Mary's. No, he, she's Mary's Charles's sister. sister. Charles's sister, isn't she? Louisa. Yeah. She's a Musgrove, isn't she? Yeah. Um, Mary's a close sister. relative. Yeah. <laughs> close family relative. I don't know what. And he's courting her. Yeah. Like, well picked, Wentworth. You know, that's either very calculated and specific or you are completely delusional right now. and You're completely unaware of the effects you're having on Anne. Like, he must think she is so over him that that couldn't affect and that's so unbelievable she's just trying to punish her isn't it which is on one hand fair enough because he was obviously hurt he was you know cast aside because he wasn't rich enough and so he's just trying to in a way get his own back which is not you know the greatest thing if you're trying to be the bigger person but then he does I think he has a slight realization when he does I think when she's recovering in line he sort of goes off to stay with his brother for like was it I mean, his brother for like weeks on end to sort of distance himself yeah <laughs> I'm like sit down and I stink <laughs> right yeah and I don't think this is I'm pretty sure this isn't in the novel but um I'm trying to think which which edition it is of like which adaptation of persuasion it is um honestly maybe 2007 don't quote me on that I'm not I'm not sure if it's 2007 but the, the one where there's the whole running scene at the end and the music's playing you know which one I'm on about yeah um there's a scene where um I think it's Wentworth and Harville they chat on the beach mm-hmm. and he says something to him like is that the Anne yes I love that I, I mean oh that's such a good good thing to have in there because it shows it kind of shows that like lad culture that they have discussed this this isn't somebody who's gone away and not thought about it like that shows that he did and I love that in that adaptation I think because he's heard with a close friend yeah and he's confided in that person he said like this was somebody that and the fact that he says like is that the I'm like I love it it just shows that he's been like obviously talking about her and I kind of love that, you know, that, that gets me like so excited. I <laughs> found out about that or, you know, she overheard it. I bet it must have like completely, it would have changed like the whole, the whole thing. But right. Although being in Anne's mindset, you'd probably think you'd been saying really horrible stuff about you. And he'd be like, True. is that bad that person that was so awful to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. And then, oh yeah, were you talking about like the running scene in that film? Because that's just after... Um, she gets the letter yeah so after the letter and then before that that was it we talk about the when they're at the concert in Bath it's like a lot of stuff happens in Bath really that sort of begins to change I think he right he comes back and he's like a different person which is like finally where have you been but then on top of that is the added complication of the fact that Mr Elliot's now actively courting Anne um good intentions or not (laughs) I always knew he was a a bad one from the start (laughs) oh my gosh he just rings total Wickham signs doesn't he I feel like we're we're well equipped now to pick out the Wickhams of these novels (laughs) it's almost like it's a necessity isn't it you've got to have some guy to to you know beat beat the baddie as it were (laughs) Absolutely. I think that really shows her Anne's maturity as well, because unlike the other heroines, she's very wary of him, even from the start. Yeah. She's like, what are his motives? Like, this seems strange that he's so attentive to if he, when he kind of abandoned the family. And I think that definitely does show to her maturity. She's not like, 
I 100% believe Mr. Elliot and he's this wonderful person. And uh, I really, yeah, I like that point a lot because again, you know, you've got, if we compare it again to Pride and Prejudice, you have Elizabeth Bennett who sort of, she does fall for Wickham's charm and you're sort of screaming at the pages like, you know, <laughs> don't, like he's a bad person. Like, what are you doing? And then you have Anne who is sort of opposite and she is way more cautious. And instead of, you know, completely falling for it and being like, well, if he likes me, then this is great because I can marry him and get security. Like, she's not even thinking about that. She's still thinking about the fact that, like, her her life and her feelings matter more than that area of security. And she can tell he's a bad one. And it's sort of, it's good going on that journey with her to sort of uncover it. And you're like, you know, a bit of sleuthing and a um, bit of, you know, information passed here and there from her friend which is like, you know, the, the big reveal. There's always a big reveal about his true character. <laughs> right. Oh my God. You do actually have to wait quite a while for that as well. Even when the conversation with her friend starts, like she's not about to expose him straight away. Like she waits for Anne to be like, I'm not interested. And then she's like, oh good. Cause I've got all this, this dirt on him. <laughs> Brilliant. Cause have I got something to tell you? <laughs> yeah, this guy's awful for X, Y, and Z reasons. And you're just like, oh my goodness. But luckily Anne's literally there just like, okay, look, I've got somewhere to be, but thanks for giving me all this information. Honestly, I didn't like him anyway. <laughs> I sort of knew that anyway, but at least I have some evidence now. So <laughs> Yeah, and then she's like holding on to that for ages and there's that scene where Mary sees him with Mrs. Clay. Yeah, Mrs. Clay. And she's literally there like, um, is that is that Mr. Elliot? I think it is. And Anne's like, I don't care because she doesn't want... This is, the, this is such a big thing. She doesn't want Wentworth to be jealous, which... She recognised it already. Right, and it absolutely infuriates me though because he spends half the novel actively making her jealous... Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not a problem at all. But then if it's his jealousy and he's uncomfortable, she goes to such efforts to try and like yeah. amend that, doesn't she? Like she's always trying to avoid Mr. Elliot for that reason. She does. She gets the point. I feel like at the beginning, she's quite quiet. She sort of lets him get on with it. She doesn't really defend herself or stand up for herself. And then by the end, she's sort of gone on a character transformation as well, because there's a scene where, she you know he's saying to her like you've sort of changed or eight years is a long time he's sort of like reflecting on what's been going on sort of muttering these things and she says to him like I am not yet so much changed like and she cried it so you know cried Anne and she's suddenly she's found her voice and she's defending herself and saying you know like I'm sort of fed up of this you need to realize that you know I'm here I've not changed and this is this is who I am and instead of just letting things go she's suddenly found her inner confidence I think it is sort of found within that scene where they're at the concert in Bath in the octagon room and there's a lot going on there and Mr Elliot's there as well I think his attention helps her to find like if if he does any good Mr Elliot I think his attention to her makes her realize that she does still have some Mm -hmm. worth in general in society and she can still be admired and I think that makes her think actually like I am still worthy of this attention. And so I think that makes her reflect then on like how Wentworth's been with Louisa and everything. And she does like have this boost of confidence. She's just like, right, well, especially yeah. when she finds out that he's not marrying Louisa, he, she's like, right, okay, well, maybe there's more to this then. Yeah, it's like that realisation where like where they are 
at the concert and they're sort of doing this thing where they're sort of coming together and talking and going apart sitting back down and Mr. Elliot's sort of interrupting and it's it sort of reminds me of a bit like a dance like a, you know they're going together and away again and they're back together and they're talking and each time they come together there's almost like a different sort of emotion going on in Wentworth's head and he sort of goes away being thinking all like being all jealous and she sits down and she's in this sort of state of excitement and ecstasy and thinking like you know he must love me is like what she says and she's feeling so hopeful and he's at the complete opposite because his jealousy is, is just getting the better of him but I sort of love that whole scene anyway because there's so much going on that like you can just imagine the sort of atmosphere you know these crowds of people the talking the music the lights the sort of revealing bits of each other from the past and sort of having these little conversations where they're sort of picking things out of each other and remembering the past and trying to see if there's anything there still. And I think that whole scene is so clever. It is filled with so much tension and just, you know, it gets you sort of on the edge of your seat if you were sort of watching that happening. It's the atmosphere Austin creates. I think it's one of my favourites in the book because you've just got so much going on. and um, Right. And it's like the first time they have a conversation... Yeah. It's kind of equals again. Like they, I think, I think it's then that she does mention like it was like when they were friends, and I think that's so important. Like they weren't just lovers who were engaged; they were friends. And I think she even says that at the start of the novel, like they were friends, then they got engaged. So, um, and I think at one point she just say that's what she misses. She's like, it's actually the friendship that she misses. She misses that they were so like minded; they could discuss things, and they were kind of open with one another and I think that's so I just love that I think that's that's like amazing but then it also makes you feel like oh gosh what a massive loss you've not just lost the person you're engaged to who then has gone off for eight years you've lost someone who was your friend and for, for Anne in the scenario that she's in with her family I think a friend's probably quite a big deal to her <laughs> because her family is so awful yeah yeah I really like that idea of the friendship as well because and it sort of fits into the you know the expectations of the time what happens when you're courting someone because at that point you're not really going to be lovers in the sense that we sort of use that word now in society you are friends and you're building up to that you know that more romantic sense that relationship because at the time when you're courting you do you're finding out about each other it's someone to confide in and it was obviously for her it was amazing having this person who understood her and could talk to her and having that taken away on top of everything else you know the prospect of a really nice happy loved marriage um must have been really hard to bear as well right I love how much they remember about each other um I think it is at the constancy like she says to him like oh I I know that you love music or you used to love music and it's they're, they're saying like what they used to love do they still love that they're still like exploring one another like this is how you used to be are you still like that now like do you still have the same likes dislikes and um like, I think that's so nice. But that's like I was saying before, you don't need to know exactly what happened in their past to feel it in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. You're allowed to sort of let your your mind and your imagination take you back to that and think, you know, what did go on and what were they like when they were younger? And I think it's a really nice thing that we're not just sort of com- like completely spoon-fed what happened before. Like we're, with this whole book, we're allowed to let our feelings wander as well as Anne's. And I think it is a book where feelings and emotions and reflections are such an important part of this narrative. And then 
on the other hand, like I was mentioning to you earlier, you've got people who say, you know, it's actually one of Austin's most stimulating, suggestive and seductive book. And it's like suddenly you sort of have to flip on your head and you think, oh my goodness, like I never really thought of it like that before because, you know, because of the, the looks and the tensions and the jealousies and the, you know, the eye contact and the, the little snippets of conversation and, you know, that conversation at the end where she's talking to, is it Captain Harville about, they're sort of debating about, it's always well, really iconic. Who, who loves longest? Yeah, the woman or the man. And you know he's, Wentworth is there in the background. And it's like, at that point you think, they're definitely having this conversation and she wants him to hear this. And there's all these little insinuations which make it a really sort of, fizzing book you know there's lots of little romantic bits in there and it's really funny to think of it like on the one hand it's it is really you know it's quite seductive in that way because it's there's a lot of tension going on between them and then you have people also describing it as it's really autumnal in tone it's really thoughtful it's really quite serious and really quite the sad undertones going on under there so it's their relationship is full of all of these different things which makes it I think, completely different to the other relationships in her other books. Right, absolutely. And I feel like it definitely goes down to the reader as well. Like, what's your experience with stuff? You know, how, I think the pace as well, the pace of the novel, at the times when they're talking, just like you were saying about the concert scene, I feel like the pace of that scene is so fast. Yes. You don't want the time to end and you know that it will and their conversation is going to be cut short. And um, I think that same adaptation, the 2007 one really, um, I think it's 2007 you know, if I've got this wrong then forgive me guys um, I think it really captures the pace as well even though the running scenes make me cringe like crazy yes, it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they ca- yeah I think they capture that sense that of time because I, mean, I think yeah. the novel is all about time isn't it it's that long yeah. stretch of time where they don't see each other and then it's this short stretch of time where they see each other a lot and it's like but but for Anne, she's running out of time because of her mm. age. Um, and obviously at points, they don't know whether they're going to be with other people. And it's it's so fast paced, I think, at the points where you know they could be together, but you can't wait to get back to those points at the same time. So I think that just makes it so much more powerful. Um, in the times when they're really connected, really close, you just don't want those moments to end. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. It's that sense of urgency, isn't it? There's an urgency for them both to you know refine their feelings rekindle their love and you know time is running out for him because he's you know he declared at the beginning of the book he wants to settle down he wants to get married and and like you say running out of time her age and um yeah I think it's that's a massive factor when looking at how their relationship is is played out in this book and it is really concentrated on on them you have sort of other Austin books where there's a lot more you get a lot more narrative on sort of what's going on generally like in Emma I think there's a lot of discussion about just the general social going goings on in the village and what's going on with the other characters but with this it's very focused on Anne and very focused on Wentworth and you don't get as much discussion around what's happening with the other characters they're just sort of like there in a way to prop it up and humor you know, at times yeah and humor yeah, yeah. there are some really funny moments in there Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I 100% agree. Like, um, Emma is like a society book, isn't it? Like you see, 
what all the other characters are doing, what they're doing in the village. I mean, I mean, there's some great characters in Emma and they, they're definitely, you get a sense of that small town feeling, 100%. But um, I, I think earlier you said like the book is so reflective. And I think that's a perfect way to describe it. It is, you, you spend so much time with Anne's thoughts, which is so different than, is, I mean, it's like reading a diary. It's, it's so personal um, compared to, say, Emma or Sense of Sensibility, obviously, which is split between two, like, obviously, the, um, Eleanor and Marianne's experiences. And so um, that, that lessens how we can properly see their feelings, like their inner thoughts. Um, Emma is very conversational, I think. Um, all of her, like, connections with people, it's, it's her outwardly stating her opinion usually whether or not that goes down well or not um, <laughs> and then but this is it is so inward and I feel like that's the perfect way to um write this character because she's she is so introverted compared to other ones she is reflective as a person so I feel like the only way you could properly properly see and feel what she feels is through her thoughts not not the conversation she has I mean I I think if you probably looked at how many conversations her and Wentworth have in the novel, it's probably very short. Um, if you were to put them all together, the majority of it is us coming from Anne's perspective and thinking, does he feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. You've got, you, yeah, like I say, like this beautiful journey of self-discovery as well and then inner self-confidence. And you've not only got you know, the building up of the romantic side, which is obviously what we all want and all read Austin for, but you've also got a really nice journey of this character who is not your typical heroine. She's she's not at all. And it's really lovely to see her come into herself, come into her confidence and you know get that happy ending that she deserves after after everything. And I think that's a really it's a, it's clever how it's done because it's not done in a way that's like super, you know, romanticized in the fact that it's like completely taken out of reality it is it's believable what you read in that book is believable and you often when I'm reading I often forget I'm like you know you do realize that it's like these characters don't actually exist like this didn't actually happen but when I'm reading it is it is believable it does seem real to me because I think the emotions that she injects into the work are things I think maybe she may have like Austin may have felt or things that people feel you know how we would react to those situations and it's it's really relatable what's been written about Anne and also Wentworth as well like yeah here's a bit of a like that start. is so realistic but, that is actually... I think, yeah I think it's what what you do like what a guy would do what a woman would do if you were hurt I think it's what we do as people and it's not very nice but sometimes it can't be like that's just in our nature I think no, absolutely. Like you can, you can hundred percent see like people in your past, you know, you can be like, oh my gosh, like he would have acted the exact same way as Wentworth. Like you can see real people in the characters. Um, and I think that's so powerful. And, um, but a question on that, that I probably have for you is if Anne, um, has such strong feelings, we're reading this and we're like, oh my goodness, like she still likes him after eight years. Would it even be possible for him not to feel the same way? Like, how could, how could her feelings be so strong and yeah. his not? Yeah. I think in that respect, maybe that side is maybe slightly not as believable as sort of the actual journey that they go on because it is like, I mean, the chances of that happening are, I mean, I've not really heard about it before, you know, having two people being separated for so long. But then you think about, think about the circumstances, you know, Wentworth's been off, 
doing, you know, living his life in the Navy, completely concentrating on that, completely concentrating on, you know, getting himself, you know, up through the ranks, making his fortune. And that's, he probably hasn't really had that much time to actually socialise socialise or see any other women or see them in that way. I mean, I don't know what he might be doing casually, you know, what men would like then, but he's obviously not had the opportunity to to yeah, like you say, socialise with women seriously. And then you think about Anne and her situation, she's been stuck at home with her annoying father and annoying sister and is basically not like a slave, but she is a slave to their sort of needs and wants. And, you know, she's the one that they that steps in to help out. You know, she goes and helps out Mary. She's, you know, she's helping out her father. She, she's, you know, helps run the household. She's been stuck in that little village and she doesn't go anywhere. So in essence, they right. have sort of met each other, both gone away, but they've both been cocooned in two different environments, which has meant that potentially they haven't had the opportunity to see anywhere else. And so all they've done is be able to think about each other and, you know, that what if, that regret and think, you know, and it's almost, it probably becomes bigger in their head as well than what it actually right, is. Right, which I think is... Very much and so much, yeah. And when you see each other, it's something like, oh my goodness, which is what it is. Right, yeah. And I think absolutely that's how um, Anne feels at the start. She's like, she builds up that moment before she sees him. Oh my gosh, I mean, as a reader, you're sat there going, oh my gosh, like it gives you butterflies in your stomach. You're like, oh my gosh, she's going to see this person that she is still in love with after eight years, even though she has not seen it. But like you said, obviously there is a lack of exposure there in the sense that, and obviously at the time, if you're a woman, you're unmarried, you are kind of just confined to your house to take care of your father or whatever other siblings you have. Um, I think even if you're even still kind of on the marriage market, which Anne kind of is, um, you, you're kind of already classed as an old maid after a certain point anyway. So if you do marry, then that's just good luck. But um, you, you're already kind of on the shelf, unfortunately. And then you, you're you kind of set to task. Like you're just going to look after the house. You're going to follow our whims or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think maybe you're right. Maybe it is that kind of lack of exposure that meant that they held on to it for so much longer and also the regret because how much easier is it to hold on to something when there's that sense of what if is that you don't know how things could have been I think they even reflect on that at the end of the novel because they say it maybe it wouldn't have worked out had we got married at that point like I'm so glad we've come back together now um I because I think Anne says that quite a few times she actually says like I don't regret following um, Lady Russell's advice mm-hmm. that actually um, waiting I think is was the better option obviously it was financially because Wentworth makes his fortune um, but I think that's also interesting I think that that the novel says that there is a place and time for people like it's not necessarily mm-hmm. instant sometimes people do need to wait and maybe that's something that Austin was saying herself saying like why is there such a rush for women to get married so young um why why can't they wait maybe there's a better time for them yeah maybe that's you know the, the moral of the story isn't it that's you know throwing a completely different view on something that was so set in stone at that period of time it's, you know it's turning it on its head and being like oh well what about this you know like say things are sometimes meant to be or not meant to be and you can wait or not wait and you know think about 
Anne and her situation anyway she was sort of forgotten about in the fact you know because there's obviously her sister then ended up marrying Charles which we learned that she turned down and then her sister Elizabeth they had that little focus on trying to get her married off to Mr Elliot at some point weren't they as well so well yeah I think she had like two rounds with Mr Elliot didn't she (laughs) like what even and then um yeah so obviously that again takes a focus off Anne as well she's able to sort of slip into the background and have nothing but her thoughts to sort of console her a bit but I like yeah and I like the idea that she does say at the end you know I'm you know it is it's probably been awful these past eight years having to think about the what ifs but at the same time now that it's turned out how it has it's almost like maybe it was better that it worked out this way anyway because we wouldn't have been able to maybe marry practically or you would have gone off being in the navy she would probably never seen him and she may have suffered in a different way, you know, that idea of loss and not having him by her side. Um, yeah, right. so that big build up. And when they see each other, it's just filled again with so much emotion and tension. And that is like that, that famous line, isn't it? When they see each other and uh, they say, you know, a bow and a curtsy passed and that's all you get. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, so much said but in so little little words like you know so polite so um so much there is an indifference there though as well which is just like oh gosh like oh infuriating I can't even imagine must be so awkward and then when obviously he starts being like we discussed starts being like really awkward about it and I think she even described it as like deep mortification (laughs) she's literally just like actually mortified that he's um that she's well obviously if you've been like longing for somebody and then you meet them and they're totally just like indifferent to you I mean that would honestly that would be mortifying to me as well I'd just be traumatized it sort of shuts down that dream doesn't it that we've been talking about that whole time that they've been thinking and bigging it up in their head and the moment comes and it's like is it is it all that you thought it would be and was it oh god yeah um completely yeah it's it's probably like one of the most iconic moments that and of course the the fall like I said the jumping line and oh um, my gosh Louisa I mean that like you're saying like you have a whole episode on her alone that girl's like nothing entirely yeah I know I'd love to go into more about um maybe at some point about her her relationship with Captain Benning oh yes that that just comes out of the blue yeah and everyone's like what even and then apparently she turns into this really quiet and somber character like after her honestly thoughts. after she hit her head I know yeah. I feel like that's so dark it's like yeah. she was this bubbly fun character I mean that's kind of like a dream dying in the sense I mean she was like so into Captain Wentworth and she threw herself off the no I do I should this threw herself off the step and thinking that he was going to catch her and then obviously she hits her head and she's never the same again I mean that's such a dark, yeah. <laughs> dark like it's really dark or sort of like that that humour of Jane Austen's coming through, like, oh, she hit her head and now she's sort of come to her senses a bit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or maybe it's the, it's the favouring Anne so much that it's, like, just trying to get rid of the people that are kind of in the way. <laughs> Anne was the better character. Let's just uh, <laughs> give Louisa some unconsciousness. <laughs> So um, in terms of the letter itself, you know, from Wentworth, because he's obviously sat there writing with uh, writing it while um, Captain Harville and Anna having that conversation about who loves longest, the um, 
I mean, it's it's a little bit of an argument, really. I wouldn't even say it's a conversation. They're, it's very passionate. Um, and I think they, they agree to disagree in the end. Um, but yeah, the, and then he writes the letter and it's, I mean, I don't know if you've got the quotes from the letter. It's, oh God, it's just beautiful, isn't it? It's like next level. It is. Oh, it's like but, dream, isn't it? It's what you want to receive. Like, right. I've loved but, none but you. Oh, fantastic. Because yeah, I've literally yeah. been longing for you for eight plus years. <laughs> I know. But yeah, that whole, again, I think that's probably the final iconic scene, isn't it, in the book? And you have that debate where they're, you know, you, you can tell she's obviously saying this stuff as well. So that, like, he'll overhear it. Like, fair play. I think I would as well. <laughs> Yeah, so the conversation at the end before, you know, the letter is revealed and they're having, you know, Captain Harville and, it's Harville, isn't it? Yeah, and Anne are having this debate, you know, it's not even a conversation, it's a debate and you can tell it's getting quite passionate as well and Anne's saying all these, you know, replying to him, but in a way where she, you know, she's trying to get Wentworth's attention because he's sat literally behind her and it's her way of being able to express to him and prove to him her real feelings because it'd be sort of, she hasn't had the opportunity to to have that conversation with him. And also be sort of deemed as improper if she sort of just went up to him and was like, you know. I've been thinking about you all this time. You'd be like, uh, okay, that's a bit creepy. Yeah. I'll just. <laughs> yeah, she's sort of being really clever in the fact that she's just giving it this one last shot to just completely explain herself and remind him who she is. And it's so pivotal in then, you know what happens next which is the letter because you sort of learn that that conversation was what you know prompted him to sit down and write that letter so she sort of did what she set out to do which is you know it's pretty cool like well done <laughs> right yeah imagine if he not imagine if he couldn't overhear like if he was <laughs> you know I think like if he hadn't have responded to that I think for her that would have just been like that's it then I don't think there's any more I could have done or this isn't really going to go anywhere because I've just given sort of a last chance scenario for him to respond. Right. She does explain herself. She's like, basically says, you know, women, they don't forget. They do hold on to it. They do love longest. Like, obviously, I mean, it is part of a debate in the sense, but um, you, you feel it. You're just like, well, she, we know that she has and she wants to let him know, like, look, I, I do still have feelings for you without, like you said, coming openly, just being like, I'm in love with you. Like, <laughs> I have been for the past eight years, even though I've not seen you at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sort of drawing on the whole, you know, the whole way, the whole method in which the book has been played out. And that's sort of, you know, there's um, saying things with alternate meanings, like those looks, those glances, these little snippets. And she's sort of playing through that again by using a conversation to sort of be directed at him without actually directing it. And you're, again, filled, it's filled with all these insinuations. And that is a sort of theme that runs through the whole book, which makes it, Make, what makes you as a reader you're constantly on edge aren't you like say you're rooting for them and now at the very last hurdle she's just completely throwing everything out there um almost you know if this is me this is how I feel also sort of standing up for women at the same time which is great um, yeah <laughs> so yeah go Jane um yeah <laughs> yeah there to be like right now it's your turn to respond like it's I've done everything I can and then you get this gorgeous letter like we say which <laughs> just makes your heart melt right so I mean it it starts off with I can listen no longer in silence it's obvious he's been completely attending this conversation and 
completely has been, you know, he's, he's not listened to it and just been like, oh gosh, you know, well, sorry that she feels like that. I'm just going to sort of move on. He's listened and there's been obviously this passion building inside of him. You know, when you're, you're having a debate with someone and you're sort of really wanting to join in and jump in and get your point across, that's obviously how he was feeling that whole time. He couldn't say anything. So he's completely attended to what they've said. And then, you know, it goes into, you pierce my soul. I'm half agony, half hope, the absolute classic line. Right. (laughs) That is just so much, again, said in so little words. And he's completely letting his emotions out. And I think in that sense, him and Anne are really well suited because you sort of, these are his inner thoughts come out now and you can see that they're just as charged as her inner thoughts have been throughout the whole book. They're both deep thinkers. They both feel things really deeply. And so having that in the other person has meant, you know, this is why their relationship has come back together and why it was such a success in the first place. And, you know, they're sort of meant to be. Yeah. I think, cause there's, is there a point that they say in the novel, it's like there was no two hearts so open or something like that yeah. yeah and it's so true they are so in tune with one another and that's I mean that's just amazing isn't it don't we all just want that that sounds great <laughs> just reading the lines of the letter down it's just again these short sharp sentences that are just charged with so much of his emotion he sort of goes into he, how you know he his heart has been broken and you know, you can't say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I have loved none but you. And it's just like, oh my goodness, he's just completely pouring his heart out here. It's like, you know, what we all love. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine reading that? I, no. I don't <laughs> I think I could compose myself. I'd be like, oh my goodness, this is just next level. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got at the end, a word, a look will be enough to decide whether I enter your father's house this evening or never. So again, that theme of the looks and the the little glances and moments between them is now going to be pivotal once again to whether or not this, you know, this romance and this love is completed to the end. If it's, is going to actually go on to be what they want it to be. And it's, I just love the fact that it ends on, on need of a look again even though that's what they've sort of been doing the whole novel it's like they know that's how they right. communicate which is 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 really really lovely because they understand how each other works they don't even need to talk like yeah. they can they can get so much from just looking at each other which like you yeah. said it throughout the novel you get those little those glances those looks when you're reading the book you're just waiting and waiting for that last chapter aren't you where the letter comes out and it pretty much is at the end so you're you're rewarded as the reader for this sort of dance of emotions and backwards and forwards and then it suddenly ends on this basically how you would want it to end <laughs> right yeah you get this beautiful crafted letter and you're just like oh I mean, how- oh, <laughs> oh, are we lucky that all the austin heroes are such good writers <laughs> yes. i know we don't do letters anymore really do we it's like oh i think we all we all still love to receive receive love letters i think a heartfelt letter absolutely <laughs> Yeah, I don't think an email would quite do it justice anymore, you know. No, <laughs> no. I suppose the difficulty nowadays that how would you even get a letter to somebody after eight years? I mean, you'd have to definitely be close to them, wouldn't you? <laughs> Pretty good. Um, it's where you'd place Wentworth. So as as an Austin hero, I mean, the letter is killer. We, we've got to give him that. That is that is one good, well-crafted letter. But um, yeah, from your perspective, where where do you place Wentworth? 
Um, let me see. I mean, obviously, for me, first and foremost, I think it's always got to me Mr. Darcy at the top. So then underneath that, I just sort of rank them. <laughs> They're in a completely different <laughs> you know, order to that. Um, I think for me, when I, I remember when I first read Persuasion and it did sort of hit me as possibly like the probably the most romantic novel I feel out of the one she did. And I think purely because of that, and I know he's sort of annoying at the beginning and, you know, it's he is sort of unacceptable in how he behaves a bit. But the fact then you've got this thing where he has also for eight years, you know, cherished these feelings about her and she the same. And it is just such a lovely story of growth and unity. And then, yeah, you get that letter at the end, which I think is possibly the most romantic ending out of all of them. And so, um, you know, who doesn't like a guy in the Navy anyway? So <laughs> I, think, <laughs> right. I think he's probably like up there as well. In And he makes his fortune there. himself, doesn't he? He's yeah, like he self-made. So, I mean... That that is awesome yeah. as well. I think it'd be definitely towards the top end of of my scale, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I really love Persuasion, and I think it is one of my favourite Austin books. There's so much in there, and I even did an essay about it at uni because there's so much like social comment, like not not social commentary, but sort of the little bits and pieces around it where you know things to do with class and sort of money and other areas that we could probably just you more you probably will discuss in other podcasts um it's there's so much yeah. richness in there um for such a, a well it's a shorter book than all the others but I think it's it's really rich in what it delivers and thumbs up to Austin as always always <laughs> every single conclusion on every book is like yeah massive fan <laughs> yeah. I think this is like really fun to just like get into it's always just fun to just speak to somebody else who who loves Jane Austen novels and just get their thoughts and feelings on it. So I really love that. But um, I enjoyed this completely. It's just so good to share thoughts and opinions with other people. And, you know, um, especially at the moment when we're not really getting a lot of contact with other people, it's nice to have these really. Right. Well, I mean, we've never actually met in person. We've got this instant connection it's like we're saying you know you hear about it like in these films and books where people form like amazing friendships because of their love of Austin and now it's like you know this is legit like she is I mean I'd just love to know what she would think of this massive fan base she has and I think she'd be pretty like I think she'd probably be most happy about the fact that people are forming friendships over it and what have you she'd probably be a bit like completely like crazed out about all the different films and adaptations and everything oh yeah she totally rippers rip into yeah, us all I, I could just <laughs> yeah so I'd like to think that she would be most happy about sort of that side of people forming bonds and friendships and just discussing her work in really really sort of lively and lovely ways so yeah. no absolutely and that kind of brings me on we kind of met through instagram so where can everybody find you are you i know you've got your blog and everything so do you want to just let people know um so yeah you can find me on instagram so i do sort of a mixture of content to do with sort of my history studies but also i do a lot of things on books and sort of the bookstagram community um you can sort of find me at, at historian underscore ellis and yeah i have a blog that comes out every month where i discuss either research or um book reviews there is a lot of Austin stuff intertwined within it it's sort of like an area where I put everything like a little bit of me in it you know I've got my books my history a bit of nature and countryside I love 
um, where I live and obviously a bit of Bath. I'm obsessed with the city of Bath, even though Austin didn't like it as much, which I can understand why. I still feel like for me, I've got a little bit of a connection there with her because that's where I, I've studied for the past four years. So Amazing. Absolutely. And your blog's great. So I definitely recommend people going over there and I'll I'll pop it on my website under kind of where this episode will be and everything. So people can find you easily. They can come and join our community where we do just, we just, we just do this. We just talk about this kind of thing all the time. (laughs) Just this chance. We just recorded it this time, but yeah, (laughs) this is the norm. 